You see, the difference is religion separates us from God. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of John chapter 2. John 2, as we uh, continue this little mini-series on uh, close encounters with Jesus. You know, once you meet Jesus, you're never the same. Once, he, once you experience His love in your life, you're never, ever the same. And so that's what we've been looking at through the summer months here. Many people are gone on vacation and all. And so we'll be bringing this to a close here in the next week or so. But you know, as we continue to look at the close encounters with Jesus, whenever Jesus met somebody, they were never the same. Whether it was the woman caught in adultery, thrown at Jesus' feet, the Pharisees were bent on stoning her to death, Jesus spared her life. And all the way through the Bible, you'll see when you come in contact with Jesus, there is life. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and cause us, God, to remember these things, that the work that you did then, you're going to do now. And Lord, for every one of us, Lord, as we desire to be touched by your Spirit, as we desire to move from what we once were to what you've called us to be, we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, remind us, God, of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. So much of what we find today, and unfortunately in churches, is not Jesus. You'll find programs, self-realization, self-help type programs, but you don't find Jesus. Well, that's what it's all about is Jesus. What we're going to look at today, interestingly enough, is after Jesus changed the water to wine, the first miracle that we find in the Bible, and I think it's interesting, in that miracle, Jesus made something new look old. Uh, it takes time to age wine. They ran out of wine at the wedding. They came to Jesus. What do we do? He says, fill these pots up with water. And uh, we remember that the guest said, you've saved the best for last. Well, I also can't help but believe that when Jesus made this world and uh, we find in the preceding chapter, all things were made by him. Speaking of Jesus Christ, all things were made by him and without him, not anything made is made. When we get into a lot of these people say, well, the earth is billions and billions and billions of years old. And yet the Bible tells us that it's not. Well, I think just as Jesus made that wine that was water turn into wine, appear to be aged, I think that God created this earth fully mature as well. And so I don't believe there's any problem in understanding that. But Jesus does this miracle. And so now he's getting ready to go up to the Passover. And we find this story as we look at this in verse 
13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Some estimate that there could have been anywhere from a million to two and a half million people that would descend upon Jerusalem for this special time. Almost every known Jew in that time would descend upon Jerusalem. And their worship was always based around a lot of these these, um, uh special high holy days that they would have, Passover being the principle. And so it says that he went up to Jerusalem and he, was, he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Wow. Now you think about this for a minute, uh, this great time of spiritual awakening and spiritual revival and Jesus goes into the temple and finds a swap meet going on. Well, this really troubled Jesus. And and I think as we look at this, Paul says, don't you know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? I think this can be applied to us as well. You know, before we become a Christian, we have a lot of money changers going on in our lives. We have a lot of people buying and selling our heart for the highest bidder. We find on television sometimes it'll say, well, unless you wash your teeth with shiny bright, no one's going to like you. And so the natural response would be, well, I better go get me some shiny bright so people will like me. And we'll find, we'll, you'll find all the way through that that's the whole Madison Avenue, the whole Hollywood scene is to be lovable. And this is one of the things that I find that we can become subject to and pray to unless we become born again by the Spirit of God. Because God, one of the things we find here, Jesus saw the temple and he saw those that were in the temple buying and selling. This place where God should have been worshipped, this place where it should have been holy, had turned into a merchandising scheme. Now, when we go back to the Levitical law, it says that people, when they came to church and came to temple, they would give a half shekel. That was equivalent to two days labor. And they would bring the half shekel in. Well, because the Roman denarii had pictures of the different Roman uh, 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 Nero and all these different people that would be on these coins and the different um, uh, people that it was unholy money. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the shekel. And so the money changers, what they would do is they would take your Roman denarii and change it into the Hebrew shekel, but of course at a price. Now, mind you, all these people that were coming to Jerusalem wanted to do was know God, get close to God, have his blessings upon their life. And yet there were those merchandising them. Somebody asked me one time, well, is it wrong to, you know, have the Sunday school kids selling Twinkies or cupcakes in church? The answer, of course, is no. Why is that? Well, because they're not doing it to take advantage of anybody. But these people were taking advantage of people. And also, of course, 
um, your sacrifice wasn't good enough. So you, once you changed your denarii into the Hebrew shekel, then you could buy the sacrifices and give your temple tax uh, as you came in. Well, notice what it says here. And by the way, this is kind of a different perception of Jesus than most of the pictures that we find in the bookstores portray. You know, usually we have a picture of Jesus holding the lambs and, you know, he's petting them and, and, and the little kids are all sitting around him. And I like that picture of Jesus too. But this picture of Jesus is a little different because it says, when he had made a whip of cords... He drove them all out of the temple. Now, there's a lot of discussion whether Jesus was driving out just the sheep and the goats and all that kind of stuff that was going on, as well as the money changers, or whether he was just driving out everybody. Well, it appears to me here that it was all. The word all would say all out of the temple, never into the temple. He drove them out of the temple And it says, with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changer of the money on the the overturned table. So he just went through and just cleaned house. I, I like this about Jesus. He wasn't a lazy guy. He didn't just see a problem, but he actually got involved in the issue. I like that. A lot of times people will say, well, gee, that's too bad. That person over there needs help. Um, I hope God sends someone to help him. (laughs) No, if God has shown us the need, it may very well be that God is the one that's saying, hey, I want you to do something about this. Jesus goes into the temple. He sees it just, and you can imagine animals, the smell. You can imagine all this going on in the outer court of the temples uh, up there on that temple mount in Jerusalem, some, you know, probably roughly around 15, 18 acres of, of ground up there on the temple mount. And all this is going on, the dust and the dirt and people just wanting to get right with God. And there's always somebody got their hand out trying to take advantage. Couldn't help but think about how you and me are, again, the temple of God. And how those different money changers have come in and many times into our own lives. And, and again, if you don't buy this, you're not going to be lovable or, or people wanting to come to church and all they do is get hit up with, you know, endless, you know, everlasting money wallets for $29.95 and all the crazy stuff that we've seen go on in the name of God. Well, I think this is what caused the Jesus to respond to this. And going back into the Old Testament, it says, the zeal for your house has eaten me up. In other words, that should have been a place of worship. It should have been a place of contact with God, meeting the people together. And instead, it was nothing more than just a buying and selling. What a tragedy that it was. And so it says that he made a whip of cords and he started whipping them out of the temple. Now, again, this isn't always the little picture we get of Jesus holding the lambs, is it? But it does show me a couple of things. One, Jesus does get angry. 
And as a matter of fact, when we look at Revelation in the very last part, when Jesus comes back to execute judgment upon the earth, right at the time of the battle of Armageddon, when these kings of the earth all gather there in uh, the valley of Megiddo in Israel, and they're battling with one another, and then Jesus comes back to break up the fight. And instead of them all breaking up the fight, going, hey, Jesus, you're here. Good, I'm glad you made it. All the kings who were once fighting each other now all decide to fight him. And the Bible says that he destroys them and then he sets up his wonderful thousand year reign here on this earth, which I'm certainly sure we all see the need for that. Well, he says he drove them all out of the temple. You know, one of the things when you become born again, you're going to experience God's change in your life. A lot of people, when they accept Christ as their Savior, they don't know what to expect. What's God going to do if I accept Christ as my Savior? Well, you start glowing in the dark is the first thing. No, not really. But one of the things you will find when you accept Christ as your Savior, he will drive out the money changers who bought and sold your heart. Those things, those, those, those words and phraseologies, if you do this, you'll be loved. God says, I love you, period. I, I like that. In other words, I didn't have to earn the love of God. God gave it to me. But religion continues to merchandise people's hearts. In other words, if you want to get right with God, you've got to join our church. You've got to do charitable deeds. You've you've got to go out and do all these different things. This is how you get right with God. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. I keep reiterating over and over, and this is one of the differences between true Christianity and the religions today, including some people that use the name Christianity in their cult What God wants from us is to restore that relationship that was lost in the Garden of Eden, where God would come and walk with man in the cool of the evening. How was your day? I love you. What's going on? What's on your heart? That's the way God wants to relate with us. But that was lost when man rebelled against God. But Jesus, the second Adam, restored to us that father-child relationship. This is what the religions of the world do not offer. They have some kind of God that must be appeased. And through the appeasement is where, the, where the, the, these groups take advantage, merchandising people's heart. All I want to do is get right with God. And I got to do what? I've got to wear this undergarment. I got to get sealed here. I got to join this thing here. I got to hoop jump here. These are all things that they do merchandising your heart. You know, when you stop to realize, and it, maybe it isn't until you have a have a maybe a kid or a a grandchild if you forgot what it was like to have a kid kids are not intimidated by really very little if they're hungry they'll tell you they're hungry in the most quiet area that there is if a kid's got to go to the bathroom it can be in a very awkward time, whether you're in a store or in a checkout line, and I'm, I, mommy, I, you know, and they'll, they'll tell you what they want to do. They're not intimidated by things around them. 
And the Bible says, except a man become as a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. God wants us to be unintimidated by things around us where we go back to that relationship with God and say, amen, God, I love you. See, not based upon my performance, my works, my this, my that. Look, I have bought your thing. I got your everlasting wallet. I'm wearing my undergarments. I'm doing all these things. And God says, none of that matters. What matters is that relationship with you. The first thing you'll notice Jesus does when you become born again, he'll chase out the money changers that have merchandised your heart, that have taken advantage of your heart, that says you'll be loved if God says, I love you, period. Friends, that's great news. That's God's grace. You know, I remember years ago, and when you've really been touched by the Spirit of God, back in the old uh, tent days at Costa Mesa when I was there, I remember that we would get there and, and it was all about grace. It didn't matter what you did yesterday. It didn't matter what you did five years ago. It doesn't matter what you're going to do tomorrow. We were here, there, now together to worship God. That's great. I remember there was this one guy my friend was telling me about, and he said he was always out, he was a Christian, but he was always having trouble walking with the Lord. He would go out and he'd tear it up with the women and the drugs and all that, and he'd come back to church, and he said one of the craziest things was when he'd come back, everybody would gather around him and tell him that they missed him. I go, wow, that is really cool. Why is that? Because it's God's grace. See, it isn't that, oh, you've been out doing that. I don't want to be around you. See, that's the problem. Now, should we do those things and, and still enjoy the blessing of the saints? Of course not. But the thing is, God says, you have been forgiven so much. Love others that have been forgiven as well. I really believe, friends, that's so important. God drives out the money changers. Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple. All those people in that day wanted was to touch God, to be around the presence of God. And there was always those that were trying to take advantage. They had changed the temple into a place of thieves. Notice he says, he made a whip and overturned the tables of the money changers, verse 16. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And then his disciples remembered that which was written in Psalms. The zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? You're wrecking our business, Jesus. You bet he does. He ruins the business of the merchandisers. You know, when it just comes back to your relationship with God. You know, friends, again, Jesus started really right here. This this was right after his first miracle. Jesus started his ministry the first at first by clearing the temple. It is also noteworthy when Jesus, three years later, came down the Mount of Olives on that Palm Sunday, went right in, and one of the first places he went was right into the temple, and he did it again. By the way, he said, you've changed my father's house from a house of prayer, and you've made it what? A den of thieves. Why? They didn't change. Three years went by, they were still merchandising the temple. 
You know, it's funny that if you don't maintenance your relationship with God, I can guarantee you the merchandisers will come in. Why is that? Because the devil knows that if you can get somebody to try to earn what God's already given them, it denies really what God has already done for you. In other words, when Jesus said, I paid it all, it is finished, telestai. It's the same word that an artist would use when they paint a painting. And right when they're writing their name at the very bottom, who di- who done it? They'd write their name, telestai, it's finished. That's what that means. The whole thing is done. But yet people will continue, religion will add to that. And they always try to get you to do something to somehow earn God's favor by going out doing religious deeds and different things, giving all your money, all these different things. Now, friends, again, why is that important? Because tomorrow, this afternoon, you will be around people who Jesus has not cleared the money changers out of their heart. In other words, their heart is still for sale to the highest bidder. And we need to be very much aware what's going on when we're around people and we see these things go on. Because again, the devil knows if he can try to get you to earn something that God has already given you, there's self-pride that comes in. And then I can say, God, look at me instead of God, look at you. You see, the difference is religion separates us from God. You know, the Bible talks about if a man's religion is, is, is true. It's always going to go back to who Jesus Christ is. And again, because God wants to have that personal relationship with you, that which was lost in the garden, now restored again. All the religions of the world don't offer that. They don't offer a personal relationship with God. It's always that God is over there and you're over here. Paul doesn't say that. He says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We crawl up into our daddy's lap and give him a hug. Unintimidated by all the things around us, I can do this. How do you think those early church fathers, and by the way, if you ever have a chance to read Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's a very intriguing book on how the early church fathers and the early believers in Jesus Christ died. And they died martyrs, by the way. Some skinned alive, some forced to walk off the temple there in Jerusalem as James did. Some were just ostracized, some were boiled in oil as John was. And by the way, you'll always find those Christians that love God and they were persecuted. Why were they, how could they go through that kind of persecution? How could they go through that kind of, 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 of rejection And still die for their faith. Why? Because they had a relationship with daddy. They knew daddy. See, that makes the difference between religion and and, and a relationship with God. When you have a relationship with God, you know daddy's there. Doesn't matter what goes through on me on this earth. What matters is that I have a relationship with God. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. 
On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.